Hallelujah. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, chapter 6. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. Jesus, as the li just as the living Father sent me, I live because the Father is Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died. But whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue at Capernaum. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, Does this offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascending to where he has, was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them would not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father enables them. You do not want to, you do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Please pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Most likely, uh, some of you, like Suzanne and I, picked up a new habit during the COVID-19 lockdowns, been watching old and new television series not having to wait for the next week to hear the, the next episode. Television series, plays, novels, and even the Bible have something in common, subplots within the, the frame of the main uh, story, the main narrative. If you look at uh, slide two, you, for example, you can see that NCIS has Dix and, uh, Dix and Kinsey's 
there were romance. Deeks is a, an assigned police officer to NCIS, and Kinsey's one of their agents. Or in slide three, you see Bones, where you have Booth and Bones, where Booth is an FBI agent and uh, Bones is a forensic uh, pathologist and their relationship, their romantic entwines. House MD, of course we have House and Cuddy, where uh, House is a controversial doctor and Cuddy is the administrator of the hospital, always trying to keep him under control so the hospital doesn't get sued. And then there's Psych, where you have Sean and Juliet. This takes place in Santa Barbara. Well, Sean is a phony uh, psychic, where actually has, he has good powers of observation, but he pretends to gain them by psychic powers. And Juliet, she's a, a detective in the Santa Barbara Police Department. Site 6, our scripture, Mark 2, verses 1 through 12, has a subplot as well. It's the, par the paralytic and his four friends. The main plot of the scriptures is concerned with Jesus affirming his authority over the physical world, healing, and over the spiritual world of forgiving sins. Today, though, I want to focus on the subplot to gain an insight as to what faith looks like and how faith, like the paralytic and his four friends, grows and nourishes. In our subplot here, here's the background. After Jesus returned from being tempted in the wilderness by Satan, he returned to Capernaum, located on the north shore of the Sea of Galilee, and began teaching and healing with occasional breaks in between with trips to the wilderness, taking a vacation. This time, Jesus was able to sneak back into Capernaum without being spotted for about three days until the crowd showed up. And that's when the paralytic and his four friends showed up in faith to receive healing for their friend. The crowds were so great that they could not enter the house. It would be like Jesus being at one of our houses and the home completely jam-packed with people and even the front yards and the front street and even your neighbor's yards. There was no way to get in by walking in. But they persevered to receive their goal of healing by somehow making it on top of the roof and, taking, and making a hole in it to lower their friend down in. If you look at uh, slide 7, you'll see a depiction of what a New Testament home looks like. The roof was consisted of uh, beams placed over narrow walls and then with um, grass and mud and, and shrubbery on top of that to make a ceiling. So you can imagine the mess that was made as they opened up a hole to let their, for their friend down in, and the people underneath obviously were going to get rained on with all this debris. I mean, I think if it was me in my home that I'd be a little bit upset with this and uh, maybe even call the police. I mean, there's plenty of charges there. Destruction of property, Ill illegal entry, uh, you name it, in endangerment. But fortunately, Jesus was more compassionate and forgiving than I would be. It did have, there is one thought, though. You know, the, the scripture doesn't say who repaired the roof afterward. Yeah. 
I don't know. Maybe possibly Jesus just spoke it and made it all together again. But don't take that as gospel. It's just a, a thought. Okay. In slide eight, let's talk about faith. What is faith? Faith is believing in or putting your trust in something or someone. People in general put their faith in many things, say, getting to church here and, and this morning, either by your car or walking here. Most people don't think twice about their, their ability to get to their destination safely, but, but by faith, it's assumed to be a given. Or partaking in the coffee and the treats afterwards, we assume that the people there uh, took care in preparing it correctly and that uh, it's not going to uh, affect us in a, our first reaction. Besides which, I bet you nobody here has ever seen anybody get sick with it, right? So again, therefore, you trust it, you have faith in it, and you don't give it a second thought. How about sitting in the pews here? Are there any of you that are, are not resting fully in them and you may be squatting, uh, you know, just hovering above the seat? It's kind of impossible to do it for any length of time. I know I couldn't do it. But again, you have a history of sitting in the, and trusting in it, and therefore you have faith, and you take it for granted. You don't give it a second thought. All of these examples, uh, we've learned to have faith by history of learning experiences that lead us to the conclusion that we can trust and have faith in things. For the Christian, faith is believing in and putting our trust in God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, not in people or things. People will fail us. Not one of us is perfect. Inevitably, we will fail somebody who is trusting in us. And things do not have any power to do anything. They're inanimate. In Isaiah 44, 15 through 18, God chastens us about taking wood that we use to cook our meal and warm ourselves with and then taking another piece of it and making a God out of it and bowing down to it and saying, save me. So things, inanimate objects, have no power to do anything. Christian faith is sitting in Jesus' lap putting your full weight in him and trusting him for everything. Look at uh, slide nine. How does faith grow and how is it nourished? The first way that faith grows and nourished is through exercising it. The LA Marathon and the Solvang Centuries are activities that require exercising our physical bodies. People that participate in activities like these just don't decide one day to go out and do them and go without preparation. Those that do experience failure and fatigue. Baby steps, exercise, start small in exercising faith and working up to bigger acts of faith. Training, read the Bible, get to know God. God gave us his, his love letter, the 66 books that we hold in our hand called the Bible. Without it, we would know very little about him except what we could gain from looking at nature and come to the conclusion that there is a creator God. But in his love for us, he's written all 66 books so we know who he is, what his disposition is towards us. Does he hate us? Does he love us? What is his plan? Where are we going? What is the end? What was the, the reason for this man dying on the cross 2,000 years ago? 
we wouldn't know without his writing, without his love letter. Communication with and keeping and in, in connected to God is the key to creating trust. If you look at slide 10, there's a, a tandem bike there. And yes, that's Suzanne and I on there. We used to do, for fun, uh, century bike rides for charity. And I wanted Suzanne to participate, but I wanted to know that she was safe and where she was at the end of the 100 miles. I didn't want to have to wonder if she took a wrong turn or she had an accident. So I bought a tandem. I figured, she's right there behind me, and we're going to be together, we're connected, and I know she's safe, right? Well, I tell you, if you, if you think that's a great idea, it is a test of your friendship or your, your marriage, and I'll tell you why. <clears throat> the person in the front is called the captain, and they have all the control on this. They have the steering, they have the brakes, they have the gear shift. Everything is under the control. But the person in the back is called the stoker, and their job is to cooperate with and stay connected with the captain. They're going in the same direction with the same goal, and their, their job is to provide assistance in pedaling. They can let go of the, the uh, handlebars, right? The captain also has a responsibility of communicating back and forth with the stoker to let them know, oh, there's a parked car coming up so they don't get blindsided by this thing flashing by them and, and cause us to have an accident, right? Or that there's a bump in the road so that she can take some weight off the seat so she doesn't get slammed. Well, when I forget to do that, remember, she can let go of the handlebars and she can pound me <laughs> Okay? Well, it's the same way with God. If we let God be the captain of this metaphor, the, the tandem, then we're, and we take the, the stoker position, then we're concluding that we're going to stay connected with him and we're on the same path, we've got the same goal, and we're going to trust in the captain to take the right directions, the right turns, take things at the right speed, all, all of those variables, so that he and we know at the end of the ride exactly where he's at and that we are safe with him. I mean, the alternative to that is to ride your own bicycle and hope that you can keep up with him, right? You don't have his power helping with the pedaling. And if he gets too far ahead, you might veer off to the left or right because you're not certain which direction to go. He's no longer visible to lead you. So you waste a lot of time on dead ends and getting back on track. So the best thing to do is just get on that bike, be connected, stay connected, talk to him, read about him and who he is, and trust him to lead and guide you in all your ways. The other thing is that God is using today's difficulties to strengthen our faith for tomorrow. The second way that faith is grows and is nourishes through perseverance. If you look at slide 11 there, we have a bicyclist on a lonely road. And when we feel all alone, we tend to get weary. 
Have you ever noticed that having someone to help you to do something that it's easier to endure? But you know what? You're never alone. Jesus tells us that I will be with you and never leave or forsake you. The paralytic's four friends persevered. Together they accomplished the goal through faith in Jesus. Persevering is not giving up when it looks like you can't do it. In slide 10, when there's no end in sight and you just can't do it, trust God. He's in charge from beginning to end. The bicyclist depicted in that picture there, I'm not sure who he's putting or what he's putting his faith in. Uh, maybe it's his equipment or his skill in riding the bike. But he's in a very precarious position there. The path is narrower, and on the, the land side of things there, if, you, if the picture was bigger, you'd see that his inside pedal is up because there's a rock protruding there, and if he pedals, it will knock him off balance and he will fall to his death below. I say that it appears that he's trusting in himself because evidently he put himself in this position. But when God calls you or gives you assignment or says, go this way, go that way, uh, he will be with you and he will help you persevere through that. God gave me assignment in 2002 and uh, it took me seven years of asking around uh, people to finally find out what it is to become, how do you become a pastor? And so at age 66 in, in 2009, he put me in the seminary. Well, part of what you have to learn is Greek and Hebrew, biblical Greek and Hebrew. I got through the Greek all right. I'm an engineer in my first uh, profession and the, the Greek uh, language is very precise because they like to argue philosophy and so they had to have a precision language. But Hebrew is more pictorial and it's, you have to, uh, let's say, the lexical, lexical, you know what I mean by a lexical range? When you look in, the, in your uh, dictionary and you look up a word, there's the meanings behind it, usually one, two, three, four, five, right? Well, theirs might be five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 12, 14, 15, right? And so the, the problem is you have to know the root spelling in order to tell what the current uh, word means. And I, being not a very good speller, had a problem with that. So the first semester of, of uh, Hebrew, at midterms, I had a 52. Well, guess what? It's, uh, like Something like 76 is an F. So I'm failing worse than failing. I'm failing and failing. Okay, so I went on a pity party for about four days going to the counselors to find out what I could salvage out of what I'd already done but thank God for prayer and for my prayer partner Dave Boyer some of you may know him he's passed away now but my wife and the teacher convinced me to persevere from that point on I got A's on the translation test before the problem was that I couldn't translate it, it was just I couldn't finish it so I'd only have it half done. I ended up B minus, right? Second semester, semester of Hebrews, midterm, same thing. This time the pity party was only 20 minutes, so I went in prayer and I said, God, if I need this degree to do what you've called me to do, then I need your help because I, I can't do it. 
I was already spending eight, ten hours a day just studying Hebrew, trying to memorize it to whatever so that I could translate faster. And it wasn't working. Guess what? I finished the semester of B minus. Third semester of Hebrew. I didn't wait for the, the semester to start. I went in prayer and ended up again passing Hebrew with a B minus. So when when you're in trouble, when it looks like you, you just have to give up because you just can't do it, you've given it all that you have, don't give up. Call on the one who loves you to help you out. Amen. The third way that faith grows and is nourished is through adversity. Say, dealing with doctors and, and the reason we have to in the first place dealing with conflicting opinions and solutions, treatments. Pray for the proper treatment and the successful outcome. The prayers of the righteous are powerful and effective. Jesus, God in the flesh, is Jehovah Rophe, our physician. He heals us physically, mentally, and spiritually. Pray to him to assist you in your decisions and have faith that he being the ultimate loving father that he is, will bring about the correct conclusion. Another form of adversity is having to move from one town to another to take a new job or a new assignment. Look at slide 14. Take Abraham uh, being told by God to take and leave his birthplace, his, his native country of Ur of the Chaldeans, and go to a land that I will show you. Having to leave family and friends behind is difficult and deciding what to take and what to leave behind. This fellow in slide 14 looks like he couldn't decide. He tried to take it all in one trip. Hmm. This was not easy for Abraham either because he was a successful and wealthy rancher. Hmm. And besides that, he had established a new residence. And there was no, uh, he didn't even know where to go, and there was no Google map that he could consult, no th uh, 360 street view that he could take a panorama view of what's around, what's it like. And he couldn't Google what are the amenities, where's the store, where's the hospital, all that type of thing that we have a vantage now. His only option was to accept by faith God's command and let him be the captain of his tandem. Still another uh, form of adversity is making improvements, say, like a kitchen remodel, as opposed to a makeover where it's just cosmetic changes. God's remodeling of us is to conform us to the image of his son, Jesus, the crucified and resurrected Christ. You find that in Romans 8, 28 through 29. <clears throat> Sometimes you have to go backwards to go forwards, slide 15. When it comes to making more than just superficial changes in ourself, it's the Holy Spirit's job to tear down and demolish the old us and make us anew in Christ Jesus. It involves putting up with a lot of inconvenience, like giving up our little G's, the little gods that I talked about uh, last week, the things that we're holding onto too tight, the things that owned us instead of the other way around. 
It involves uh, participating in patience and understanding until the remodeling is finished. Slide 16. It's the Holy Spirit's job to implement the changes in us. Our responsibility is to cooperate with him, patiently understanding that real changes take time. Even the saved, saved person is still going to sin unintentionally. Our salvation is secure. Jesus is the one who made and maintains the unconditional promise of our forgiveness. What is at risk is our communion with God. The remedy is to confess our sin, and God will forgive our sin and restore our communion with him. We start every service with it in the absolution, the confession and absolution. Overcome the adversity by dealing with it in patience and understanding, by going to God in prayer, having faith that God will complete the job that he started and give you the ability to overcome. Slide 17. So how does faith, like the paralytic and his four friends, grow and nourish? Our faith in God is strengthened by exercising it regularly, by baby steps. Let God be the captain of your tandem. God is, strength, is strengthening us for tomorrow by persevering when we're, there is no end in sight, trusting that God and his is in charge from beginning to end, and by overcoming adversity, dealing with the situation with patience and understanding, having faith that God will give you the ability to overcome. Whenever you're tempted to lose faith, stop looking at the, the things around you, the situation that you're in, and look up to the one who is willing and able to help. Fight like a man or scrap like a woman. Get down on your knees and pray. The prayers of the righteous are powerful and effective. Remember, by faith, do what is right and leave the results, the consequences, up to God. Please bow your, your heart in an attitude of prayer. Heavenly Father, help us each day to grow more and more in love with you to the point of being head over heels in love with you where nothing else in this world is more important than your relationship with us. Help us to trust you as the captain of our tandem, trusting in your direction for helping us to cooperate with you and fulfilling the purpose of our lives. Thank you for the free gift of your salvation through the grace, for your, through your grace provided through the actions of Jesus Christ, our crucified and risen Lord. Amen.